Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents and carers. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Today, we're revisiting one of our favourite interviews from the archive. I hope you enjoy it. Andrew Solomon, author of Far From the Tree, wrote about parenthood and accepting the difference we find in our children. In that book, he writes, All parenting turns on a crucial question. To what extent parents should accept their children for who they are and to what extent they should help them become their best selves? This is a question you might ask yourself if your child is born deaf. Do you accept that she's deaf and will be limited by her hearing impairment? Do you then search for a cure in the form of a cochlear implant? Or do you embrace the difference of her ability and celebrate it? Now, I pose these two questions, not saying that one is right and one is wrong, but I imagine we would all answer it differently. And today we're talking to Sarah Clenbort, who's a mother who's chosen to embrace the difference of her daughter's ability. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi, good. When did you find out that Caitlin was deaf? So I found out when she was about two. Um, She wasn't talking. And someone suggested a hearing test. And so we did it and we found out she was deaf then. Yeah. What were your, I mean, if you can cast your mind back, um, Mm. what were your initial thoughts and feelings when you got that diagnosis? Well, I think it's pretty common. So most, I think it's 98 or 95 percent of deaf children are born to hearing parents. And so we do tend to have that initial reaction of, oh, this is terrible. And what can I do to fix my child and make my child hearing? And that was certainly my um, my first initial reaction. And I was really, um, oh, I was sort of grieving, really, that loss. Um, and I was really upset. But that changed when we decided to start, my husband and I started to, to learn Auslan, to learn sign language. And that really turned our whole sort of world around um, because when we came into the sign language class, um, we realized that, I, I remember them going around and so we had to introduce ourselves and, and they said, sort of, why are you here? And I said, well, I've got a daughter and she's deaf. And she, they said, oh, really? And they were excited. And usually when, you, when I told my friends that my daughter's deaf, you know, they were really, oh, I'm so sorry. And it was, it was a completely different way of looking at deafness. So that was your first class. I, I have seen you sign with Caitlin, your daughter. Um, we had a previous interview, if anyone's interested. We talked about um, translating uh, theatre performances for deaf children. And I've seen you talk with Auslan, and it is a beautiful thing to watch. But it looks extremely complicated. <laughs> you were then learning at the same time as her. But what was that like for you? That was challenging because we lived in Coogee and the classes were in Parramatta and I actually took my bike and the train because the traffic was so bad. So it would take me two hours to get to class, a three-hour class, and then two hours to get back. And I had a newborn baby, so I actually oh put the breast pump on the back of the bike and I would pump in the brake of class so that they'd have, the baby <laughs> would have milk. But I mean, it was a bit crazy, but it all worked out in the end. And, you know, we learned Auslan. And also you, you meet people in the deaf community. And as you know, that's how you learn a language when you talk with other people. So that worked out really well. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm talking to Sarah Clenbort, who is a mother of Caitlin and another child. Is it just the two that yes, you have? Yes, just two girls. Um, two girls. And Caitlin, they, they discovered it too, was deaf. And we're talking about how 
Sarah and her husband came to, I guess, embrace her daughter's difference in ability when we talk about deafness. And I, and I do want to sort of say when I talk about that embracing of difference is that uh, there is no judgment there. I understand if you're a parent who wants the, your child to hear and you choose the, to get a cochlear implant, but I am interested in Sarah and her family's experience in parenthood in embracing deafness as a culture. I guess that's how we talk about it. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, that's right. And I, and I love Andrew Solomon, and I like that you introduced the show with him, and I recommend his book, Far From the Tree, to any, anyone. One thing that I think he's kind of misleading, though, in that particular quote is that you have to do either or, sign or speak, um, sign or cochlear. Caitlin doesn't need a cochlear yet. When she does, she'd probably get one. And so I, I think, unfortunately, there, the conversation in Australia seems to be when you have a deaf child, either you sign or you get a cochlear and you do um, audioverbal therapy. And really, you can do everything. And I think that's something that parents aren't really aware of. And they feel like, oh, if I sign, my kid's not going to talk. Well, Caitlin talks all the time and she's won speech competitions. You know, that's not a problem. She just can't hear that well. So um, I'm also curious about the fact that you had a second child while you were learning, let's just call it long distance education, because it <laughs> sounds like that. It was like a f- five, oh, longer. It was like a seven hour round trip to learn Auslan. Um, so your youngest child, does she sign as well? Yes, she does. And she actually signed before she talked because I wow. started signing with her as a baby. Um, does that work? Because there's a whole theory around babies and sign. So, okay, uh, you'll have to get a linguist to, to explain this accurately. They can learn certain hand signals before they can speak. But that's not necessarily that they have a language before they can speak, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they do start doing um, little signs before they can actually talk. And so she was communicating with me from a very young age. And, yeah, and she signs with her sister as well. I love that because that means that when they're out together, having another language, you can just be so cheeky if no one knows what you're oh, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucky you know. <laughs> Actually, no, they might be able to sign behind your back and you would not know. Yeah, yeah, they do. Under the <laughs> table, you know. <laughs> okay, I see benefits and drawbacks in this situation. When you talk about this, it sounds like a really positive experience for your family, but I imagine that there would be challenges along the way. What have they been for you, I guess, in in raising Caitlin so that she has the same opportunities as her peers who have um, full-spectrum hearing? Yeah, well, I think the biggest uh, challenge in Australia is just acquiring Auslan and being allowed to sign. So that's that's huge, though. Yeah, right. That, because that's how they really, communicate. Well, um, actually, you'd be surprised. So I did a survey in um, 2013 of 72 hearing parents of deaf children, and I asked them if they had been told by a medical professional at some time not to sign with their deaf child. And 56% of them said that they had been told by a speech therapist or an ENT or an audiologist that signing would impede their child's spoken language development. But there's no research for this. Wow. So parents are not only discouraged by the medical profession uh, not to sign. They're discouraged from signing. But they're also, there's just not very many opportunities for them to learn to sign. It's costly. It's sometimes, if you live in regional Australia, it's almost impossible 
there's just not enough opportunities, I think. And unfortunately, there is this sort of idea that you have to either choose to sign or to speak. And I think that's, um, that's a bit of a challenge. That's something that, you know, those of us in the, that are involved in the deaf community are trying to sort of get rid of that myth that it's actually okay to sign. And it's actually beneficial because cochlear implants work for the vast majority of children. But two things. One, they don't work they don't make you hearing, you know, they, they don't work with background noise, you know, they don't work all the time. And for some kids, they don't work at all. So you'll have kids that show up at the deaf school in Sydney, for example, and this happens in Melbourne too, at the age of seven or eight, and they have no language. And that's because they've never been able to sign and the cochlear implant hasn't worked for them. So, yeah, that's something that's sort of something that I feel very passionate about, and I try to sort of get the word out that it's okay to sign with your kid. So, in what other ways has this experience impacted your life as a family? I, I imagine any kind of um, challenge can be a huge strain when you've got young children. How mm-hmm. did your husband and yourself go negotiating this together? Well, it's really hard in the beginning, I think. It's really hard when you first get that diagnosis, and I think that's hard for every parent. Usually, uh, Australians get it at birth because you have a hearing test at birth. For some reason, Caitlin passed that hearing test. I don't know why. Um, So that's, I think, probably the most challenging time. And you kind of look back and you think, oh, what did I do wrong in my pregnancy? Or what, you know, did I you know, drink too much wine when I was 18? Or was there something, (laughs) you know, that I did? Um, But once you kind of start to accept that your kid is deaf... The, it everything falls into place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so, uh, what, and everyone reaches that acceptance at a different time in their life, and they reach it through different ways. I mean, for me, it was through the deaf community and meeting all these incredibly successful, interesting, fun people who were also deaf, uh, and that was a way that I could accept my daughter as being deaf. But other people have other ways of doing that. And how have you found um, the community support around you? So things like Caitlin's at school now. Um, I know she still goes to the deaf school that is in North Rocks in Sydney. Um, But how have you found that integration with the wider community? Yeah, so Caitlin is very lucky. So she goes to mainstream school four days a week and she goes to the deaf school one day a week. She has an interpreter in school, but in New South Wales um, and in many states in Australia, uh, there's no professional interpreters in the classroom. So that means the level of... uh, language is pretty low for a lot of these interpreters. We're very lucky we have a very good interpreter. Um, But I know that there's other people who don't. And there's a woman, Suzanne Robertson, who's actually suing the Department of Education at the moment, trying to get a professional interpreter for her child in the classroom. Um, And we'll see how that court case goes. It happened in Queensland and, and it was overturned. And in Queensland, now you can have professional interpreters in the classroom. But that's something we really struggle with in in New South Wales. I just find that fascinating because if you don't have language, then you don't have opportunity. You're not at all on an equal footing with your peers. And how can you hope without language to succeed in school? Yeah, no, you don't have equal access to education. That's right. Incredible. Sarah, it has been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for coming in. Well, thank you so much for having an interest. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.